You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from the Montreal Gazette, and I'm here with Mary Clark from For the Win. You can follow us on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire and at Mary C. Clark. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you like it. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And follow the podcast official Twitter at CrosscheckNHL. We have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about some more unvaccinated NHLers. And also a ridiculously disgusting racist incident that occurred in the Ukrainian Hockey League. And the hockey world's reaction to that. And we also are finally finishing up the Crosscheck summer crossover which is a preview of all 32 nhl teams heading into the 2021 2022 season it has been eight weeks of an incredible scheduling endeavor getting more than 32 different people interviewed two per episode mary we did it (laughs) we did uh mostly well not mostly in part thanks to you really you mean you did a lot of the legwork to get this off the ground to begin with uh, and you did the final two interviews, too. I had no idea since, you know, Wednesday was my day off. I was like, oh, I guess we'll interview on Thursday. No, I guess I didn't check the schedule and they're over. So I'm sad I didn't get to, you know, talk to our final guests. But that's OK. There's always next time, I'm sure. But yes, it's a very ambitious project, but I'm glad it worked. And I, I know how it what it is like trying to wrangle 30 some odd people to try and do something. And I think that between the two of us and, of course, Sean, um, I guess our producer kind of of sorts, um, we, we were able to put it together. So I guess congrats to us, but mostly to you because this was uh, your idea <laughs> and you did a lot of the legwork too. So hooray to us. Well, I mean, I couldn't have done it without your work as well. And you've had to record a, a few of the interviews on your own times that I wasn't able to make it. We've, we backed each other up. And obviously, like you said, shout out to Sean Woodley, who's helped us wrangle people and get things scheduled. It's been like, it was ambitious. I think in the first year of doing this show to get essentially 32 different shows to cooperate with us. And also in the summer when people are not doing as much or not as involved in hockey, but we, we pulled it off and I'm excited for our last two interviews. They are with locked on avalanche host, Chris Maselli. And since there is no host currently for the locked on golden Knights podcast, we reached out to Jesse Granger again to come on the podcast. And he did a great preview of the Vegas golden Knights for us. But I guess before we get into the hockey stuff, have you got anything going on, Mary? Uh, how, how have you been this week? Uh, I'm good. Uh, nothing really happening with me. Uh, usually at the Thursday shows, I'm coming off my like days off of work. Uh, so we're right. back. So this is technically my Monday today. Uh, so we're good. Uh, I have a graduation party to go to this weekend. Um, so I get to see some of my family um, that I haven't seen in a little bit. But other than that, pretty good. Not much else to speak of. Just a relaxing couple of days and continuing on because... Uh, October is tomorrow, and that is scary. I didn't realize it. I kind of forgot that we are that you know September is ending so quickly. Uh, so that means hockey season is around the corner. And I think I mentioned this last time that you know it's time to, you know, uh, seasons are coming. The hockey season is here. It's time to get all that preview content on. This is true, and I should mention as well that uh, as we record this, it is a new national holiday in Canada. Which I mean. It's hard to really call it a holiday, but it is the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation in honor of Indigenous communities that uh, we, you know, 
destroyed essentially and uh, ripped their culture out of them, uh, put them into residential schools. And uh, also people call it uh, Orange Shirt Day. Uh, you can wear an orange shirt to honor indigenous cultures and indigenous peoples. I will say I saw this going around. If you can, if you're going to wear an orange shirt today and in the future going forward, please don't buy it from a big box store or a uh, retailer trying to essentially gra- uh, profit off of a movement. Um, if you can, try to support an indigenous business or an indigenous person. Unfortunately, this is a thing that's happened this year uh, because the orange shirt became a popular signifier of supporting ind- indigenous people. Uh, indigenous people have been unable to acquire enough orange cloth to meet demand for making these orange shirts this year because of these big suppliers essentially st- not stealing it, but bulk buying all this stuff so that they can profit off of it. So if you can support the people who need support and uh, not places like Walmart, <laughs> but uh, we'll get back to hockey now. Unfortunately, it's going to be political hockey because that's what's going on right now. And as we mentioned going into uh, the podcast, there are more unvaccinated players or specifically one that got uh, not even outed. I think people investigated and thought that he was the likely one, but he said it himself as well. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood of the New Jersey Devils is currently not vaccinated. It sounded like his quote was very weird. Like, he was saying that he just he's not yet vaccinated, which is like, okay. He was saying he was dealing with some health issues that he needed to figure out first. But if you go in and look at, like, what are the health issues that can prevent you from getting the vaccine that are, like, legitimate, and it's, like, allergy to something in the vaccine, which is not a health issue that's going to go away anytime soon, right? And I think there's, like, uh, some limitation for, like, if you have heart issues and you're a young person, you're more likely to develop myocarditis, which, by the way, is not a permanent condition if you develop it from the vaccine and it is recoverable. Whereas if you develop it from COVID, not so much. And also uh, if you've had COVID within, I think 90 days, you're suggested to not get the vaccine yet. So Connor Hellebuck actually had COVID in August, he said, and still got the vaccine, which he said was a tough decision uh, heading into the uh, NHL training camp. So like you can do it. It's just, you might get more sick after taking the vaccine, but Blackwood, obviously we don't have a right to ask for a person's medical history, but the way he talked about it, I'm just not buying medical exemption here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the, the quote he had, um, I'm pulling this from ESPN. Um, he said, first and foremost is health. Uh, I assume talking about why he didn't get it. Second of all, the social impact it has on my teammates and myself. I care about every single person in that dressing room and I would never want to put them in a situation where I make their job on the ice harder or put them in a position to lose. The financial loss isn't something I've thought about because it's not as important to me. That like... It doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, that social impact quote makes no sense. He's doing the reverse by not getting the vaccine. Yeah. He's hurting his team by not getting the vaccine. I'm not, I'm not does, sure like, here. I'm, when I read that the first time, my mind was like, it flipped on its head. It was like my brainstem was pointing upwards now. Like, I don't understand how you can say that and think that you're going to be taken seriously. Like, first of all, his health. What? Okay, maybe he has an issue. But, like, second of all, the social aspect. What? Like, you're, you're putting your teammates in more risk. Like, I just, I don't understand the brain worms that these people get. And I think if you peruse Mackenzie Blackwood's, uh, I think people were saying his Instagram, uh, the likes are a lot of 
far right Trumpian garbage, which is not uncommon in the NHL. I think that it's kind of shocking how much better the NHL is doing than the NBA in terms of getting players vaccinated because of the far right tendencies of a lot of NHL players. I think this is one of those situations where hockey's like team first compliance culture actually helped it a little bit. Whereas the NBA is like fierce independent, which I think independency or uh, independent thought is much better for selling the sport, but probably a lot worse for getting compliance on this issue. I'm, I'm kind of wondering what the future is here for players who are unvaccinated though, because the NBA, the NHL, or the uh, government of Canada said that there's going to be a national interest exemption that allows NBA players to come to Toronto and play, even though they're unvaccinated, which is insane because that is the opposite of the national interest. And also I haven't heard any mention of this applying to hockey. So like Tyler Bertuzzi, Mackenzie Blackwood, Josh Archibald is playing in Canada. So it'd be, I guess, I don't know how his situation is going to be going to the States, but if they're going to exempt basketball players just because there's so many more of them that are unvaccinated, are they going to exempt the hockey players? Like, it's very unclear. I looked around for it. Like I mentioned before we started the podcast, I was reading an article and there's almost no information. But this is one of the dumbest things I think that the federal government has done during this pandemic is creating this national interest exemption specifically for the NBA. It makes no sense to me, especially when like, I mean, you look at it in a purely cynical way, you could give the Raptors an extreme advantage by keeping those players out. Yeah. Um, I'm not really the biggest NBA follower, but I know that they've had, they've been having a lot of play. Well, I don't know if a lot is the right term, but there have been some high profile I mean, players speaking out more, yeah, more, more than the NHL, which to me is surprising because you're right that like you would have expected the NHL's demographics to like swing it a certain way, but you're right in that hockey, I get hockey culture TM as a whole uh, <laughs> actually is playing a good role here. Um, and, you know, wanting people to, like, getting players to get vaccinated for their teammates um, and for, you know, just not losing pay and stuff like that. I mean, I know that doesn't factor in Mackenzie Blackwood's decision, but he is the only player on the Devils not vaccinated, or at least according to ESPN. So it's going to be a big blow for them this year um, if he can't play in games across the border i don't know how many games there are but like it and it also will impact you know i mean we've talked about the all the hoops uh unvaccinated players have to go through too i think getting like daily tests can't like leave the can't leave certain areas of the hotel like you're quarantining yourself from your teammates so it's definitely not a locker room in the same step there's definitely like mackenzie blackwood will be quarantined out of certain activities from his team just because of his vaccination status. So I let's hope he changes his mind because, you know, getting to 100% vaccination rate across the NHL is obviously the ideal, but we'll see. Well, we, we yeah. shall certainly see. But he's definitely, I guess, the most high-profile player, I guess, or at least the one with the biggest impact on his team in terms of, like, you know, his unvaccination status. So that, at least, I've seen anyway. So... Yeah, I mean, Tyler Bertuzzi is big, too, but when it's your starting goaltender, yeah. it's a different story, Absolutely. right? Like, Bertuzzi is a first-line player for the Red Wings, 
He's on the Red Wings. Losing your starting like I, huh? He's on the Red Wings. The Red Wings aren't supposed to. Did I say Red? Uh, <laughs> they aren't supposed okay. to compete. I was like, did I say the wrong? No, no, team? no. The Red Wings aren't supposed to be competing this year. The Devil, the True. Devils just got Dougie Hamilton. Like they are. Yeah, they want they to improve. Want to, yeah, they want to improve as a team, and you know, Blackwood not being vaccinated can will likely cause complications. And well, with the parity in the league today, like Blackwood missing all the games in Canada would could possibly force them to miss the playoffs. You know, yeah. like. Uh, two points is enough especially you know? in the so, east which we've you know talked about as being yes. the the you know i guess better overall division um of a sort uh but the competition is and also much in tougher. the metro yeah. where it's like good top to bottom right like there's no room for error and this is a self-owned yeah basically <laughs> a serious and like i guess we should say since we gave mild props to hockey culture, now we got to punch it in oh, the yeah. gut. Because <laughs> speaking of hockey culture, uh, Andre Deniskin of the Ukrainian League made a ridiculous banana-eating gesture to a black player named Jalen Schmerich. And it was shocking. Like When I watched the video, I couldn't even figure out. I was like, is this real? Like, Is, is this really something that's happening right now? In like today and 2021, unfortunately, yes, the league handed down a three game suspension, which was apparently a automatic for getting a game misconduct, plus a 10 game suspension that the player can just buy out for about 2800 bucks. So essentially three game suspension and a very small fine. I understand that this is not a league that pays a lot of money, so the small fine might be a little bit more serious for the player, but I think everybody was disappointed with this decision. And I think we're all waiting for the IIHF to perhaps make a more severe move in terms of keeping uh, Deniskin off of the uh, Ukrainian national team. And his apology was a joke oh, as well. Oh, yeah. I mean... Um, it's one thing to see that video and see how blatant and obvious it was in terms of its intent, uh, which is disappointing and shocking. And it, I mean, I guess it's not shocking because this is hockey culture. We've we've run through this many a time here on this podcast, but it was so blatant that it was I don't, it just was like I said, it was kind of shocking to see just out in the open but his apology was even 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 worse in my opinion i'm trying to scroll through espn's article because there's a lot of quotes in here but uh if you can find it andrew go for it but oh boy uh it was he made it about himself is basically the the um he made it about himself and how that like hockey emotions on the ice are different than real life emotions which is not true they're emotions no it it, it was a very very bad apology and i don't think um uh Deniskin or, or sorry, my bad. Smerrick um accepted it, I believe. No, no, he he said it was yeah, garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So And he's been very vocal, which I think like all props in the world to him, because I think a lot of people when the spotlight is shone on them in a situation like this, just kinda wanna shrink away and not have to deal with it. And he's been out front. He's taken a leave of absence from the league until they do something more serious. Um uh, also, this is a young kid too. Like yeah, he's twenty four. Twenty four yep, years he's old. Twenty four. Yeah, from Detroit. So like, it's not like he's a stranger to this kind of behavior. Not necessarily this kind of blatant stuff, but uh, he knows what racism is. Obviously, he's dealt with this his whole life. 
to have this situation come up in his uh, professional hockey career to make him feel like an other, an outsider is just disgusting. And I know that hockey writers and a lot of hockey players as well have come out in support of him and how awful this is. And that's great. However, I think it's a lot easier for people to essentially dunk on the Ukrainian hockey league with no consequence than it would be if something like this happened in the NHL and think similar things, maybe not as blatant like this have happened in the NHL. And a lot of the people who are just tearing the UHL to shreds have been silent when it does. So I wish we could see the same level of fervor when racist actions take place in the NHL from a lot of very connected people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do want to shout out actually a book that is coming out. Just I got an advanced copy of this book, Game Misconduct, from Evan Moore and Jashvina Shaw, um, two really great minds in the hockey community about uh, hockey's toxic culture. Uh, I only read a little bit of it. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not a you know sit by the beach exciting read, but it is I think a, a necessary <laughs> one. Um, and like I said, I only just got a copy recently. I kind of would love to. I don't know if. Um, I don't know if that's something we could do here on this podcast. I do want to, since I was able to get this book um, given to me by the publisher, uh, I kind of want to buy the book and maybe do a giveaway on the podcast of it. But Oh, that's a great uh, idea. Most is just so I can support the book, like in the authors still, because I was able to get this for free. But, you know, I don't need two copies of the book. Um, so maybe we can talk about that later. But um, I definitely, this is a book that um, I don't believe has come out yet, but I d- is so, so relevant. Um, and I just is absolutely an, 100% necessary read because you're right this stuff continues to happen um and things won't change until we realize that you know this happens in the NHL and we have to speak up about it there too um and we can't put it all on you know people of color to make that change we have to do so as well so yeah we i mean honestly like i don't want to say that we need to be the leaders of it because i think there's a a delicate balance that has to be played between being an ally and like overshadowing people of color and, and women of color specifically in uh, like not letting them control the narrative essentially. But I think white people have a very big part to play in handling our own garbage that we've inflicted on minorities. And like, I don't have all the answers. I'm not a perfect person. Mm -hmm. I've made mistakes. We all have, but I think we all need to do a better job of listening and a better job of acting when we see something that's wrong. And I hope that this intensity of criticism follows when it happens in the National Hockey League. And it's not just hockey culture either. I think sports culture in general has an issue. I read an article in The Athletic today by Meg uh, Linehan, I believe, or I might be pronouncing her name wrong. And Katie Strang also helped out with the story, which we love Katie Strang mm-hmm. forever. She's the best, like the reporter in the sport that is the most important. I think it's like her and Rick Westhead right at the yeah. top. But uh, about a coach in women's soccer who has systematically abused players for years. And it is an explosive story. I encourage everyone to read it. And, uh, like the sports in general, they hide things, you know, they don't want to deal with controversy when things like that happen. It's just shoved to the side. People quietly resign and then no, nothing ever comes out. We saw the same thing in, 
gymnastics in the States that uh, the players or I guess the athletes themselves had to come out in pain and share their experiences. And still it took years for action to be taken. Uh, The FBI helped hide that in gymnastics. So like this is a long process in terms of uh, all the toxic parts of sport culture and hockey culture but we got to start facing it yeah, head on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I think many times on this podcast before, these discussions are tough to have, but we have to have them. Um, and we have to face down our own biases. And we have to... Well, what's the what's the phrase from Blacker Hockey Club? Get uncomfortable, uh, as I believe yeah. they're, um, they're one of their campaigns. Um, so I really encourage you all to do the work, um, continue to bring this stuff to light. And it's tough. It it really is to see this type of stuff, but we have to we have to be there to put to put in the work. And hopefully, hockey culture can change in the future. But you know, we it it starts it starts with us, and you know, bringing these things to light and doing better in our daily lives and overall. Yep, and applying pressure works. It it just does over time. Applying pressure. I mean, works. hey, if the Sonic movie could get the get the graphics <laughs> redone because gamers rose up. I think we as uh, we as hockey fans can take the same amount of energy and putting it towards defeating racism. I mean, and fans freed Britney, yeah. right? Britney Spears. It was announced now, today her father is off everything. Now it's time to get Chris Pratt off of the Mario movie. It's time. It, it's time. <laughs> I am sorry. The memes were funny, but it's over now. I can't do this anymore. It's Danny DeVito or bust. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, man. And speaking of getting uncomfortable, now we have to transition from these serious topics into some sponsors. I'm sorry, sponsors. We will do a better job transitioning every other podcast other than this one. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are teams are back to start their football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college hockey foot or college football. Sorry. Action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, content, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. I'm here with Chris Maselli of Locked On Avalanche, and this is an exciting one. It's one of our last interviews of the Crosscheck Summer Crossover, but this is a legit cup contender here, a team that is hungry 
after, you know, it's disappointing to lose early, but you lose against a great team last year in the second round of the playoffs again, <laughs> but uh, the, the Colorado avalanche, one of the most exciting teams in hockey, obviously yeah. a cup contender. Uh, how are they feeling this year? Uh, you, uh, it, they're feeling good. And everybody was kind of watching just how the dynamic would be at training camp, what the like the morale would be. They seem like they are are loose and and like having a good time, but still obviously very serious. You know, you you they know they have a good team and a, and a cup contending team, uh, but they don't want to take last year and say, uh, you know, that was it, what happened. Happened like we can't change it. We're not going to dwell on it. And guys like Nathan McKinnon specifically, who can be a pretty dry person, like a pretty dry interview. Um, he is surprisingly just loose, energetic, goofing around. I think some of it had to do with the Nikita Zadorov uh, kind of calling him. Out. Seriously, the I, memes I think, were great. Oh, they were fantastic. And he even said like they, they were funny. Uh, but he did. He also said, I had to tell my friends to stop sending them to me. It got to the point where it wasn't <laughs> funny anymore. So I think I think he took that as. Maybe I need to lighten up a little bit, still take my craft incredibly seriously, which he does, but have fun doing this at the same time. And when it's time to, you know, lace up the skates and hit the ice, get serious. So you're seeing a different dynamic from him. Um, and then there's certain guys on the team that are always going to be, uh, you know, loose and, and freewheeling it. But yeah, it, it, it's different. I was expecting a team that was just nose to the grindstone, no nonsense. Uh, we're out here to do one thing and one thing only. They're saying those things, but they have smiles on their face while they're doing it right now. So interesting. Uh, and it's a little bit surprising dynamic for the early stages of training camp. And that's kind of where you want to be. And I think that there might've been a little bit more tension had, you know, Gabe Landeskog left in the off season, right? Cause the whole, it, I don't want to say it was contentious, but it seemed to go down to the wire heading into free agency when he finally resigned to uh, a brand new contract, keep the captain in house, which was great, but uh, take us through the rest of the off season for the avalanche uh, can, compared to last year. I know there's not a ton of turnover because they know how good this team is, but who's in uh, compared to last year and who's out. Well, who's out is much more intriguing than who came in. And, you know, you look at guys like Grubauer who signed with Seattle. They, they try. It's, it wasn't for a lack of trying. They did try to resign him. I think he, he got a little bit more money with Seattle. And I don't know what the term was, what the Avalanche were offering him, but I think it was appealing to him to make not only a little bit more money, but go play for an expansion team. So he went, Brandon Saad went, who had a great one year with Colorado um, and a great playoff. I think the same thing with him. They wanted him to come back. Uh, and... I think St. Louis was offering a little bit more and maybe a little bit more term. So he left uh, a guy that I really am going to miss and not from his like production. I mean, he's a bottom six guy and that's Pierre Edward Belmar. Uh, he went to Tampa. They easily could have resigned him uh, for, I think Tampa signed him for a million for maybe two years. They easily could have signed him for that, but he's approaching like 36 years old Sackick doesn't typically like to go that high with guys in eight, but he was just a funny, funny guy, great locker room press, like exactly what you wanted. Um, and then what, you know, then they traded 
uh, Ryan Graves to kind of get ahead of the the crack and draft because um, all signs were pointing to Seattle taking him. So they got ahead of that. Um, and then but what they brought in was nothing that's like going to really blow you away. They brought in Darren Helm. Um, who they so for to tr- they brought in Ryan Murray in the trade with Ryan Graves, kind of one of those guys, you know, number two overall pick like 35 years ago. Uh, but he's he like one of those guys who you think just might need a change of scenery, can do okay. Um, but who they brought in in terms of free agency is not really the, the key here, it's really their, their young prospects. They are going to rely a lot on some of these young guys at some point during the season to really take the reins from the guys that they lost. So keep an eye on that. Yeah. And that makes sense. And this is kind of something that the avalanche have been pretty good at doing is bringing in some younger guys. And I guess you could say it's been a bit of a time since they've brought in a a young impact player since, you know, Miko Rantanen really launched himself onto the stage and blew people Mm. away. But They've also got, I think, not necessarily free agency, but they made a trade for Darcy Kemper, who's a UFA yep. at the end of the season. But that is a really interesting boom or bust situation because Kemper struggled with his health. But when he has been healthy, he has been absolutely lights out for several years on a team that hasn't been very good in the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, and that's what they're banking on. They're banking on him staying healthy, hopefully. Um, and the Avalanche have dealt with injury played goalies for the past few seasons and everybody wanted Joe Sackick to make a splash a couple of years ago because Grubauer could not stay healthy and Pavel Francouz could not stay healthy. And he was like, no, like, the, like we, we are, we're not going to move on from these guys because when they're playing, they're good. We just have to, you know, figure out the injury part. If it's, you know, just a freakish play, like there's one play where Pavel Francouz it was like 10 seconds into the game got just bulldozed. You can't, there's nothing you can do about that. You know what I mean? But if, if it's something where, you know, he's going to make a kick save or something and a groin gets pulled, is that conditioning? What is that? So it, he was comfortable in the fact that, no, these guys are good when they're healthy and look what happened to Grubauer. It paid off for him last year. He's kind of banking on the same thing with Darcy Kemper that he can stay healthy. Francois is back this year. He's healthy. So yeah, it, it's, Sure, it's a, it's a gamble, um, but early indications, like in in practice, like he looks exactly what they want him to be. And it's another thing, like when when you're on a team, like you said, like Arizona, and literally nothing is expected of you from anywhere, <laughs> from from the ownership on down to the to the fans. You know, uh, you you play as best you can, uh, but when you're on, when you get bumped up to a team of the Avalanche caliber for this season, anyway. If you can stay healthy, um, the defense that's in front of him, it's it's gonna it's gonna look like a genius move. I think if if all yeah. things go well the way that it should go at the end of the year, it's one of those things that you know being a Broncos fan back in the day in the Terrell Davis era, after Terrell Davis retired, it was just like it didn't matter who you put in the running back spot that offensive line was going to get a thousand yard rusher. And it, people kind of have the thing, like the thinking of like, yeah, put Kemper is a good goalie and put him in there. And with the defense that they have, he's not going to be facing 40, 45 shots a game anymore. This he's going to be facing, he's going to be facing 2025. 20, Can you do that for us? And I think <laughs> it, it's, it's the resounding yes right now in the, in the early going anyway. 
Yeah, it's almost like the change in uh, expectation is, you know, in Arizona, it's please steal us the game, Darcy. Steal us a few every month. And now in Colorado, it's going to be Darcy. Don't lose it for us. Exactly. <laughs> you You're 100% right. That's exactly what I look at it. Yep. It's a very different mental approach for a goaltender, I'm sure. But I think he's going to be a huge success in Colorado this season. Now, most of the time when I'm talking to uh, the other hosts and previewing the other teams, we talk about like, you know, are, are they going to change their style at all this year? I feel like we both agree that the Colorado Avalanche aren't going to change their style because their style is very successful. And then I talk about expectations. I think we both know what the expectations are for the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche this year, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for their style, no, they're not going to completely overhaul their style just because, you know, they've been second round exits for the past three years. They do have to get a little bit more physical. That's the rub on them. Um, but I think they're physical enough. They're, they're not like the, a team that you're just going to like plow over and they're just going to sit there and take it. They can dish it out. It's not their game to go seek out uh, fights and be goons out there. Like that's not their game. If they have to, you know, settle a score, they'll do it. They have no problem doing that. Um, and that's another guy. They, they did get Curtis McDermott from Seattle, oddly enough, um, to kind of be that enforcer guy on, on the defensive end. And I think that's all they need. Uh, as far as expectations. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, there, there's really no excuses and not even injuries can be an excuse because the Avalanche have had lots of them the past two years. And the last two years, they've done just fine with the people that, that have come in and replaced whoever's injured, which is top to bottom. It's been Miko Rantanen. It's been Landeskog. McKinnon has missed a few games here and there. It's been Kadri. It's, it's, it's not like your bottom six guys that are constantly injured for Colorado. It is across the board. And despite that, they, you know, last year they won the president's trophy. And, you know, the year before that, they were a high seed in, in the playoffs. So, there's literally no excuses going into this year. The expectation is, is to win it from a fan standpoint. I think that obviously the fans definitely want a Stanley cup victory. Um, but I think if they can get out of the second round, I think if they can at least make the Stanley cup final and as fans can watch the, the Colorado avalanche play in a Stanley cup. Um, and let's just say they lose it. Um, I don't think it will be, you know, let's burn the whole establishment to the ground. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be like, all right, well, we're, we're, we're so close. We're so close. Let's see what happens next year. Yeah. But overall it it's, they, they are primed and ready for a deep run. There's just no way around it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, before I let you go, Chris, uh, we're going to get two. we're going to get you to answer two quick things. The first mm -hmm. is uh, a little bit tougher. Nazim Kadri. Mm -hmm. Can he hold it together this season and not get suspended in the playoffs? Yeah, he can. He can. And and he's he's done that his entire career in Colorado. This was the only time he's been in trouble. Uh and and I'm not I'm not making excuses for the hit. Um he should have been fined or he should have been suspended for the hit, but it I don't think and he just made comments yesterday, his first comments uh, after practice saying, you know, I, I you can believe him or you can choose not to believe him. But he wasn't, I don't think he was intentionally going for the guy's head. He was trying to hit him and give him a good hit. And he just lined it up wrong and, and, he, and he nailed the guy's head. And that's a dangerous play. And you deserve some punishment. So, uh, no, I, I think he can hold it together because he's proven, at least in Colorado, that he can. So, yes, I do. 
All right. That I'm excited to see it. Cause I think we need to yeah. see Nazim Kadri. He would have made a difference in that series. Oh, hundred percent. But uh, before, yeah. Last thing, uh, plug okay. some stuff. Tell us what you got going on for locked on avalanche and everything else you're doing. Uh, yeah. So locked on avalanche, obviously. And you can follow that on uh, Twitter, L O P N underscore avalanche or on Instagram locked on avalanche. I also uh, host the Thursday edition of locked on NHL with Adam Denker. Uh, from Locked On Lightning, <clears throat> who uh, has has complete bragging rights over the entire Locked On <laughs> NHL section, because the two years that the NHL shows have been in existence for Locked On, they've won the Stanley Cup. So uh, he doesn't have That's a lot true. of friends over <laughs> the NHL. Side. Everybody hates him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this, Chris. I really appreciate it. And uh, if the Avalanche do the thing, we're going to have to have you back on. Anytime. I'm always ready and willing to talk avalanche hockey and just hockey in general. So whenever you want it. Excellent. Thanks, man. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? rockauto.com sells for the same prices to both professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. So you're not getting ripped off. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, which means that they're not a nameless, faceless corporation they're people that actually care about your needs. Prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm here with a repeat guest for the Crosscheck Show. We're here with Jesse Granger who's going to help us preview the Vegas Golden Knights this season. How's it going? Great. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. We're, this is actually the last interview we've done season previews for. Now, this is the 32nd NHL team over the last eight weeks. So it's been like a lot of scheduling, but we're, we're wrapping it up now. It's exciting to have everything done. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess 31st Vegas is the 31st team, but uh, it sounds like you almost did it in order of uh, of inception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almost. Uh, Seattle was uh, the previous episode. So we almost saved the last two for the expansion teams, but not quite. It almost worked out that way. But I'm excited to chat with you, Jesse, because I had a lot of fun chatting with you the first time we did this. And uh, Vegas is a team that's really exciting, right? They, they're a bona fide cup contender once again. So I guess that we have to start it out with uh, compared to last year. Who's in and who's out for this team? How much change have we seen? Yeah, so obviously the one that everyone knows and, and the one that comes to mind first is Marc-Andre Fleury leaving after his Vezina quality season. Not only was he the best player on the team last year, he's been the, the cornerstone, the, the anchor, the, the backbone, whatever phrase you want to use. He's been that for this team since basically the day of the expansion draft in 2017. So um, obviously him being gone, things feel a lot different. Uh, he's not only a good player, but a big personality. So, so the whole team has a different feel to it. It almost feels like, and I wrote about it 
I think last week. It's strange to say a new era for a team that has only had four seasons in their history, but this really does feel like a new era without Marc-Andre Fleury here. Um, and then and then they lost some other ancillary pieces like Ryan Reeves, who was a fourth-line guy, and Nick Holden, who was kind of the third-pairing guy. But other than that, they didn't lose a ton. And then in terms of additions, um, their big signing – our big move was to trade for Evgeny Dadanov from Ottawa. And, and he's obviously coming off of a down year, but they think that they can get him back to the caliber of level that he play that he was playing in Florida. And, and that would be obviously a huge addition. Um, when I talk to the players at camp all week, they all talk about the forward depth. When I talk to Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and even Pete DeBoer, the thing on everybody's mind and, and like the, the, the big difference I think that they feel that this team has over the last couple teams that have fallen short is their, is their depth at forward. Yeah, and you can see that just looking through the lineup. And obviously, uh, Nolan Patrick is a guy that maybe isn't expected to be uh, a huge difference maker this season is he's a bit more of a project figuring out his game again after a couple down years in in Philly, but is a player with high upside that I'm sure the Golden Knights are looking at as a piece of their, if not right this second, the future. Yeah, for sure. And and I was talking to Pete DeBoer about Nolan Patrick the other day, and he mentioned like as a coach, Pete, Pete said, as a coach, I know that no one knows players better than the coaches who have coached them. Like guys that I've been on the ice with every day, I know those players so well. And part of the reason he's so excited about Nolan Patrick in Vegas is how excited Kelly McCrimmon is. And, and Golden Knights general manager Kelly McCrimmon, prior to joining the Golden Knights, he was the owner, the GM, and the head coach of the Brandon Wheat Kings for a long time. And he coached Nolan Patrick all four years in Brandon. Um, he knows him incredibly well. So if there's anyone in the NHL, whether it's coaches, players, executives that that knows Nolan Patrick and has a reason to believe in him, it's Kelly McCrimmon. And, and they obviously they, they gave up Cody Glass, who was a guy that they had high hopes for. He hadn't worked out here the way that they had hoped, but they gave up a, a guy who still had potential to bring in Nolan Patrick. And I think Kelly McCrimmon thinks that they can get what people thought he was going to be as the number two overall pick. Like you said, probably not going to be instant, but they are going to put him in good situations. So far in camp, he's been playing with Evgeny Dadanov and Matias Yanmark on that third line, which is a major improvement. I mean, the Golden Knights have had Alex Tuck in that bottom six the last two years, and he's obviously a huge weapon, but he's kind of been on his own down there. He's never really had good pieces to work with. They haven't had a complete third line um, of guys who can produce offensively. And I think even with Alex Tuck missing the first few months of this season with offseason shoulder surgery um, their third line with Dadnov, Patrick and Yanmark is is probably one of the better ones in the league right and they also are able to now shift uh, Nick Waugh down to the fourth line and I mean just watching him in the playoffs it was a revelation right? I think a lot of people who hadn't been watching the division last year didn't realize how good that kid is you know like, I mean I say kid he's I think 24 years old already but he's a guy who has upside as well so despite the fact that the Vegas has Let's say they don't have any elite centers, but they do have de center depth now. They might be able to carry them through some of the issues that they've had getting over the hump in the playoffs in the last couple of years. Yeah, they really like Nick Waugh. And, and he's a guy who you think fourth line center and you think, OK, probably not going to bring a lot of offense, but he can bring offense when needed. And he has played up the lineup. He's even played alongside Mark Stone a couple of times in the last year and a half or so. Um, I think he, he can really change the look of that fourth line because the Golden Knights have had a an identity for their fourth line for basically the entire existence. And it's revolved around Ryan Reeves and William Carrier just going out there and trying to hurt people. <laughs> I mean, like they're out there to hit guys and they lead the league in hits and that's what they do. They're not out there to score. They're not out there to do anything but 
be physically imposing and intimidate the opposition. With the trade of Ryan Reeves, I think it signals a massive change in philosophy for that fourth line. You bump Nick Waugh down there, suddenly he's a much better offensive threat than Tomasz Nosek has been for that fourth line the last couple of years. Um, I don't know if he's a better player, but a different player. He's a more offensive player that can give you more production. And then they bring in Brett Howden from New York, who, who isn't an offensive player, but he was a first-round pick. I mean, the guy has – he has good hands. And Keegan Colasar is probably going to be down there on that fourth line. He had – really good analytics last year. He didn't put the puck in the net. He, he created more chances. I think he was 10th on the team in, in high danger chances. He, he created a lot of chances, just didn't put the puck in the net. The analytics suggest that he's going to produce more this year. So I think you're, the Golden Knights are looking for more scoring out of those bottom two lines. And, and without with, with Reeves kind of exiting and then becoming more of a, a team that's looking to score with those lines, I think that's what you're going to see. For sure. And I, I mean, speaking of more scoring, like one of our other questions that we always ask every person that we're talking to to preview is like, how much do you expect the, the systems to change uh, going forward for your team or how stylistically, how different will they play? And I think while Vegas has had a remarkable amount of success under Pete DeBoer and under uh, blank on the name now, Gerard Gallant before uh, the criticism last year was that too much of the offense flowed through the defense, right? Especially in the, the third round where they got eliminated by the Montreal Canadiens. It seemed like they're outside of, I think, wow, nobody was really pushing hard at the net front. And when they were, it was trying to like tip shots from the points. It wasn't uh, getting the puck through the middle of the slot. Have you seen in the practices in the preseason games, any more focus on getting the puck lower or is it more of let's do what we're good at? Yeah, I don't expect much philosophy change. I actually asked the board that a couple of days ago. Like, how much does your scheme change from year to year? How much new stuff are you implementing? And he said tweaks here and there, and there are little things that we think we can be better at. But for the most part, it's the same exact thing that they're going to be running. And Pete DeBoer's philosophy, I mean, getting to know him as the coach over the last two years, he is very much a, this will work if we do it right. And even when we do it right, and it, if we lose, we can't go away from it. Like we have to stick with it, trust the process, that whole thing. He's very much a believer in that. He doesn't like to change things. So I expect them to do similar things. What I, what I think we've seen. So the last two postseasons for the Golden Knights have both come to an end because of a scoring drought. It happened against Dallas in the Western conference finals two years ago. And then it happened against Montreal this year. And you see the scoring dry up from their top line stone and patch ready and Carlson and Smith. And I think what we've seen in the NHL is once you get to the playoffs and teams are able to scheme specifically for an opponent and, and put all their resources towards stylistically beating one team, they're able to shut down a line. If you want, you see it in Colorado, that McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog line, you won't find a more talented line in hockey, but the Golden Knights completely shut them down. And it's because they knew if we shut that line down, it's cutting the head off the snake and there's nothing else yeah. left. The dominoes I fall. Right. And, and like you see it in Edmonton, they've got the two best players on the planet and they can't win a playoff series um, in Toronto. I think Toronto is similarly built and they've had similar results. Um, I think the Golden Knights, they've run into teams, Montreal, Dallas, that have schemed really well against Stone and Pacioretty and then shut them down. And then they don't have secondary scores. Like you mentioned, Nick Waugh, that's not the ideal guy when, when you're not getting goals. Like you can't rely on Nick Waugh to get you to the Stanley cup final. Now, suddenly when Alex Tuck comes back, he's on that third line. Evgeny Dadanov, Matthias Yanmark, Brett Howden, Nolan Patrick, those types of names. I think when, when you talk about systematic differences, I think the golden Knights are going to attack in waves this year. Pete DeBoer has used that phrase. And I think 
the thing that will change is they aren't relying on those top two lines to score as heavily. And they're, they're hoping that if things work out, if Patrick works out, these, these aren't guarantees. Patrick could be what he was in Philly last year, which was couldn't produce anything. Um, Evgeny Dadanov, maybe in Ottawa, maybe we're starting to see his, his game start to go down. I mean, it's not guaranteed, but I think if things go the way the Golden Knights hope, they're going to be a much more balanced team that relies less on their top lines. And then when they get to the playoffs, teams can't just focus on shutting that line down, because if you do, we're going to burn you with other in other ways. Right. Yeah. Depth is king in, in this league. And I think that uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning make a good argument for that and how effective their second and third lines have been, despite most of the scoring still coming from the same few players over the last two Stanley Cup wins. They, their depth has been killer. Uh, one last question for you, Jesse, and then I'll let you head out. And that is simply, I think we all know the answer to this. What are the expectations this year in Vegas? Yeah, it's cover bust. And and uh, Robin Leonard was, was talking about it the other day, and he mentioned like, Every team says that, right? He's like, I can remember when I was in Buffalo and our team was terrible and we had no chance. Our goal in camp, just like every other team, is to win the Stanley Cup. But he said, in Vegas, it's a little different because it actually is that. And we know, and we've and they've seen over the last couple of years, when they don't win the Cup, changes are made. They fired Gerard Gallant one season after winning Coach of the Year and taking a team to the Stanley Cup final. They traded Nate Schmidt after he was the number one defenseman on this team for two years. They, they traded Marc-Andre Fleury after a Vezina season. The pressure in Vegas is incredibly high. This team is expected to win a Stanley Cup, nothing less. And um, the players know that, and they, they kind of welcome it. They're like, this is the pressure you want. When you get to the NHL, you want to be on a team that's expected to win the Stanley Cup. So they're, they're excited. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I think as much as there's pressure, it's exciting to every year you have an opportunity to get to the promised land. And I, I want to thank you, Jesse, for doing this. And before I let you go, uh, plug some stuff for us. Tell us what you got going on this year. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun season. We're, we're finally talking to the players in person, which uh, allows <laughs> Huge me to difference, eh? the athletic. I, I'm all about the feature stories and kind of showing these guys as people and breaking things down a little deeper past the ice. And I think that's going to be a lot easier this year, uh, talking to the guys in person, not just over Zoom. One question answers where I'm muted immediately after I, I can't even get a follow up. It's, it's been brutal the last year and a half. So I'm, I'm excited to see. Um, I've got a big piece coming up here, here in uh, the next week or so on Robin Leonard and his, his goal goaltending style and how maybe it doesn't look as flashy as some other goalies, but really digging into his pregame routine, his, his anticipation, his reading of plays and, and how he makes the position look way easier than it actually is. So that's, that's what I've got coming up on the athletic uh, here in the next week. Awesome. Can't wait to read it, man. And uh, like I said, really appreciate you doing this filling in for us. Cause we don't have a locked on golden Knights host right now, or one might be coming down the pipe soon, but uh, I really appreciate you stepping in for us. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks again. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and they have a variety of flavors to choose from. If you don't know the flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. I recently got a Built Bar box that was filled with a special edition flavor of cookie dough, and it's darn good. If you like cookie dough, you definitely got to check that out. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting, they're healthy too. Each bar contains 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of net sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
All right, Mary, we're one episode away from getting back to our regular format for the regular NHL season. The Crosscheck Summer Crossover is over. You can go back through eight weeks of content and get a preview for every single team in the NHL. Be fully prepped for the NHL season. Whew. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, what an exhausting eight weeks, but a satisfying one. We got to meet a whole bunch of hosts I have never talked to before, uh, ushered in some new ones, had some really great conversations, and, you know, got to learn all about the uh, teams for the upcoming NHL season, because we do a show about the general NHL, but it's hard for us to sometimes pin down the nitty-gritty of everything. I mean, there's 32 teams. There's 32 teams now. That's so much. And, I mean, we don't just... I mean, you work exclusively in hockey, I believe, but I don't, so I have to, you know... There's (laughs) there's a lot of information out there, so I'm glad we were able to do this to, you know, get me refreshed and ready for the upcoming season. Yeah, I was telling a friend of mine the other day that I feel more knowledgeable about the general NHL this season than I have in several years. Like I feel like I've got a base layer of information of what's going on for every single team. And I know like where players are. I'm not going to have that situation at the beginning of the season where you're watching game. You're like, Oh, he's on that team now. Like I know all that information because we asked everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really fun. I'm glad we did this. Uh, But it's time for our pop culture roulette segment. Mary, what have you been looking at over the last couple of days? Uh, I mean, mostly I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV, uh, continuing to play through that. I'm, I will try my best to get caught up before the the expansion uh, comes out, like in the in the fall near Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving time. Sorry for you Canadian listeners. I know that's a bit confusing. Um, but so I've been working on that. Um, other than that, not much. Uh, Critical Role, the D&D web show I've talked about before on this podcast, uh, they're set to announce uh, info about their third campaign today. Um, so probably by the time you hear this, um, we will know information. And that's very exciting to me uh, because I've missed them. I mean, they had like a small mini campaign of like, uh, I think, six weeks or eight weeks, something like that. Uh, in the middle of the summer during uh, during some downtime, so that was fun. But love me some Critical Role, uh, one of my favorite media properties out there. And, you know, if it comes out in any, like, short amount of time, definitely check it out. I mean, uh, usually the campaigns don't, they don't connect to one another. They take place in the same world, but they'll have new characters, um, new things to explore. Uh, so it's definitely a good jumping on place if, you know, D&D ever interested you and the show ever interested you. So... You know, keep an eye out for information. But that's really all I have. Uh, I don't really got nothing else going on. I am debating, though, if I should watch season two of Ted Lasso before the finale, because I think For the Wind is going to do content on it. So I'm like, do I want to get in on it? Or do I like, do I like, should I get excited and get ready for the season finale so I can like binge everything and then watch the season finale and get hype with everyone else? So. Well, there's only one day and another week until the season finale. So I feel like if you were to start now, you probably finish around Friday, right? Just like fitting in an episode here yeah. and there. So you can probably start season okay. two. I, all right. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm also like, I'm excited for the next two episodes of Ted Lasso. Of course, I watched uh, this week's episode of What If, which again, I think the second episode in a row was the best episode of the season. Super interesting, super hype that they're doing like crazier and crazier stuff. And other than that, uh, I guess we should give a shout out to uh, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network for launching the Chris Johnston show with Julian McKenzie, who's a good friend of mine. And also, I'm kind of hyped up for this Leafs All or Nothing series on Amazon. Oh, yeah. 
And they had an exclusive first five minutes hosted on their website, which I'm like, how did you guys pull that one off with Amazon? Like, they're not going like Sportsnet or TSN. They're going Steve Dangle. So yeah, that's cool. Good for them. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of hyped for it. Not just because it's going to be funny to watch them set be sad, but also because the, the documentary looks to be high quality. Yeah, um, I actually got screeners for it, which is weird. I never get screeners for anything. Oh, yeah. Really? So I got screeners for it for um my job at, for the win. Uh, also maybe this podcast too. But I I assumed that anything <laughs> I get is probably for my uh writing job rather than my podcasting job. Uh, so I watched the first episode. Um, and it is it does have a really good uh production quality. I should watch more of them because when does it come out? Like. At the beginning of Friday? Uh, Friday. Oh, so, so tomorrow. Okay. Yes. So I guess my screeners won't really matter in the end because then I think they drop all five episodes at once. Um, so this I true, did yeah. watch the first episode, though. And it was interesting. I'll be... Um, I'm interested to see how the ending... I probably should have just skipped to the last episode, if I'm being honest, because I think <laughs> that's where the, the juiciest content is going to come from. But uh, I really don't watch a lot of uh, documentaries or, you know like the behind the scenes stuff. But for sports, I really have never really cared to, but this is a really good look at it. Um, I'm excited to see where, I mean, obviously we know where it goes, but um, I'm excited to see how they take us there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the documentaries are kind of like 24-7 when they were doing that. I think that's what it was called, right? Yes. Um, when the first one, I remember being really good. And then after a couple seasons of it, it was like, okay, this is just like the same thing over and over again. You get to know the players a little bit better, but for the most part, it's like kind of boring. Whereas like the last dance on Netflix was absolutely thrilling, mm -hmm. right? Like it brings you right back to the nineties and the heyday of the Chicago bulls. And you feel it, you feel the personalities of the players and like the overwhelming, overpowering uh, presence of Michael Jordan and how he changed that team and how like, there's still people on that team that hate him, right? Because the way that he I was. I hate that I wasn't the target heard... audience for that because I'm not a basketball fan that much. And I also was born in the 90s. So like that, it completely <laughs> like that, that it just, yeah, misses, it you? just misses me completely. But I've heard great things yeah, like, about it. I was not a basketball fan, but like Michael Jordan was so omnipresent in pop culture when I was growing up that like I knew Michael Jordan. I had like Chicago Bulls clothes because they were everywhere. So it was like very easy to like get back into that mindset of you're like a kid and you're watching Michael Jordan and it's still a big deal. Space Jam, you know, like was a huge deal for my generation. So it it brought you back right away and you learned details that you never knew and you got to watch some games that like you've only seen in highlights essentially, which I guess is still highlights, but it's like more in depth so super interesting especially to see something that was filmed so long ago put together like uh, essentially like god 20 years after mm -hmm. you know it's it's really uh, an interesting idea and i've heard that f1 drive to survive is really good as well on netflix and that just based on my twitter timeline totally anecdotal hundreds of people who have never talked about f1 before are suddenly into f1 yeah yeah f1 and like so, wrestling like yeah, I mean, wrestling. I know, is but like, there, there's timeline, always, but yeah. there, it always seems to multiply. But you're right. F1 has really gotten a big, uh, you know, not second chance, but like people have really started to get into it because of that documentary. So, yeah. So, like, a good documentary, I think, can really grow a fan base. And I hope that All or Nothing can do that for the NFL, not just the Leafs, or not the NFL, NHL, sorry, not just the Leafs. But if it's just the Leafs, that's fine too. It's just they already have a big enough fan base. Nobody uh, cares. That's, uh, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right but that's all we have for you today on the crosscheck nhl podcast make sure 
that you follow us on whatever podcast streaming service you use. But before we let you go, we got to tell you about Locked On Bets. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.